This is the second of four sermons from the Psalms, each focusing on one phrase from the Psalm for the day. Last Sunday, it was be still and wait before the Lord and wait patiently for him from Psalm 37. Next Sunday, it is I lift up my eyes to the hills from where will my help come from Psalm 121. And the following Sunday, it will be how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, from Psalm 84. This morning, the focus is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom from, of course, Psalm 111. The private Christian school which I attended from the fifth grade through my graduation from high school in 1984 was founded in 1950, but the beginnings of the school are traced to 1949 when a group of parents met to begin to envision the school. On the school website under the History tab, it tells the story this way. In 1949, a small group of parents gathered together with the shared conviction that God wanted to raise up a school where children and young people would be educated in, quote, the fear of the Lord. Throughout the year, these visionary parents gathered weekly to pray for God's direction and seek his provision in making Christ-centered education the key to knowledge. I'm sure that much of the history of those meetings through that year before the school was actually founded, what was said, what was imagined, even what was argued, have been lost to time. So it's interesting to me that the one thing that is preserved, the one quote that was carried forward is the one that tells that those parents wanted a school, indeed believed that God wanted a school where, quote, children and young people would be educated in the fear of the Lord. It's interesting to me for two reasons. First, because I happen to know that that idea, indeed that language, was enshrined in the vision and purpose of the school in a very physical, always-to-be-reminded way when the phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, was actually etched in stone over the giant wooden main door of the mansion the school bought for its very first building. So while the school grew as they built more buildings designed and built for classrooms, the very first building the school bought was the old Strawbridge Mansion in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And over the heavy, giant wooden door, they placed these words, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Obviously, it was a core value, even a guiding vision, the fear of the Lord. The other reason that it's interesting to me that that school was founded on a commitment to the fear of the Lord as a core value of education is that about 15 years after I walked through that great wooden door for the very, for very last time, just a few years before I moved here from Northern Virginia where I was pastoring a congregation, I became involved in the work of founding a friend's school, a Quaker school in my local community. 
I got involved initially because the group of people from the Friends Meeting in McLean, Virginia, the group that wanted to start the school, came to the church I was serving trying to scope out different possible places that might house a fledgling school. The church was not able to offer the space to the yet-to-be-created school, mostly because of, z- of zoning issues, but I got connected to the people working on the project, and eventually they asked me to join the founding board of the school. I was the only non-Quaker on the board. And key to our early work, prior to actually securing facilities or developing curriculum or hiring staff or creating policies or finding funding and so forth, all the things that go into starting a school, was developing a clear and concise vision. And I'll tell you what, the vision for that school wasn't educating children and young people in the fear of the Lord. No. Over many conversations and with much thought about what we wanted and what we imagined and what we dreamed of, we settled on this learning with joy in the Quaker tradition. At the time, I didn't think about the contrast between one school's vision and the other, but looking back now, I can see a marked difference between my formative education under the vision of educating children in the fear of the Lord and the experience of imagining a school for my son where he would learn to love learning, right? Summarized by the words, learning with joy. Even if I didn't see it when I got involved with the Quakers, I think maybe part of what was in play was that as I thought about education under the guidance of a faith perspective, I had had my fill of fear-based education in my childhood and youth. I wanted something more uplifting and inspiring for my child. Of course, all that fear orientation might have been avoided if only the founders of the school I attended hadn't been so King James literal as to take the phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, to mean that the key to educating children is to instill divine fear in their hearts, whether that be fear of hell, fear of failure, fear of punishment for not conforming or not obeying, fear of criticism for asking questions, fear of authority, all packaged as fear of the Lord. That fear orientation as the focus for rearing and educating children might have been avoided if someone had actually looked at the Hebrew word translated as fear in most English translations of Psalm 111 and recognized it as more accurately the word revere or have reverence. So there are numerous Hebrew words in the Bible that get translated into English as the word fear, but they are not all the same. And here in Psalm 111, the word translated as fear is not emma, terror, or karada, trembling, or pachad, 
dread, but it is yira, reverence. Reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God, is the beginning of wisdom. So that's what I want to talk about today. Fear of the terror and trembling sort is fine as a motivator to action when you are in immediate danger. Be afraid of the bear in the woods, for example. But it's hardly a healthy basis for spiritual understanding, for developing wisdom about your way in the world. Instead, how about this? Recognize the holy. Start with that and let that help you put your place, your involvement, your humble role into perspective. And then that recognition which draws you into reverence, wonder, awe, will lead you to wisdom. Maybe that's the key to this, perspective. If you want to become wise, then put yourself into perspective. Put the universe into perspective. Put your place in the universe into perspective. And what is that perspective? Well, it's recognizing that we matter, yes. We matter to each other, yes. We matter to God, yes. But we are not the center of the universe. We are not all-knowing. We are not all-powerful. And wisdom is the awareness of not only what we know, but all that we do not know. And this God is our creator. God is our example. God is our redeemer. God is holy, the source of all that is sacred, the purity and hope and wholeness that is beyond us, and at the same time, that is offered to us in moments of awareness and gratitude. So reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God is the beginning of wisdom. With that in mind, listen to some of the phrases from Psalm 111 again, interspersed with that reverence and recognition language. Reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God is the beginning of wisdom. So recognize that what the psalmist says is true. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God is the beginning of wisdom. So recognize that God's righteousness endures forever. Reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God is the beginning of wisdom. So affirm that God has gained renown by God's wonderful deeds. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God is the beginning of wisdom. So remember that God is ever mindful of God's covenant. The works of God's hands are faithful and just. And reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God is the beginning of wisdom. So recognize that God sent redemption to God's people. God has commanded God's covenant forever. 
reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God as the beginning of wisdom, yes and yes. Holy and awesome is God's name. God's praise endures forever. If we begin with the awareness of the holiness, the faithfulness, the enduring presence of God, and then move to our place, our posture in relation to such a God, then our place, our purpose, even our potential becomes more clear. We matter, but we aren't the center. The holiness of God is the touchstone for everything. I was reading recently in a book about someone trying to explain theology to someone who knows nothing about theology. The person doing the explaining said this. Here's what I learned by studying theology. I learned that we were not studying God. I learned that we were studying the study of God. And even though I've learned a few things from people who have tried to come to terms with God before me, I still don't know much about God per se, but I do know this. When faced with the maker of the universe, when faced with the bringer of moral order, when faced with the force beyond the wildest reckoning of the human imagination, which is itself barely a whisper in the symphony of the cosmos, we are at some very fundamental level out of our depth. We are in no way equipped to understand the mind of the maker. So, the speaker continued, if we are so out of our depth, is it pointless to try to understand? Or I might add in the echo of Psalm 111, is it pointless to seek wisdom? No, he concludes, As we seek to know God, we may come to know little about God because of our very human limitations of mind and heart, but we will come to know a great deal about ourselves, which is precisely, he says, what God has been telling us to do all along, to know ourselves by seeking God. Does that make sense? We seek God in God's unknowable holiness, and in the seeking, we find God, even if the finding is sideways and incomplete. And in a one-cannot-look-directly-at-the-sun kind of way. That is, we find God because we begin in the slightest of ways to find a wisdom beyond ourselves. We move closer to understanding, but not in a way that gives us control or complete understanding. Rather, wisdom comes in a way that lets us find our humble but meaningful, our limited but purposeful, our dependent but partnered, place in this world, our place alongside the holy, maybe even every once in a while touching the holy. And the holy place, the holy moment is the place, the moment when suddenly the veil is lifted 
and we see what is good and right, what wholeness looks like, what meaning-making looks like, what joy is, what settledness and satisfaction and purpose is. And then God, who has been faithful and gracious and merciful and trustworthy all along, making space for us all along, offers a threshold that we can finally cross, an awareness that finally comes to our dim and dull eyes and imaginations. So we start with this. We approach God with reverence, looking to the holy, looking for the holy, and maybe then we see it. Maybe only a glimpse in the moment, but we see it. And from that, we gain the beginnings of wisdom, small pearls, small tastes of truth, of hope, of perspective. I'm not a big fan of mystery with a capital M. I enjoy little mysteries well enough, mysteries of the fictional kind, even of the real-life kind, that is, if everything I need for my own peace of mind is not hanging on the solving of that mystery. But I'm not a big fan of cosmic mystery, of God as mystery. I want to know things for sure. I want to understand in full. I want to see the big picture, but I also want to see all the little pieces. I'm okay with a divine call to respect, with a divine call to reverence. I'm okay with a good dose of humility every now and then. But I don't care much for the unknowing, the unknown. And yet, ironically, at the same time, confronted with the big mystery, mystery with a capital M, I find that I am not just uncomfortable, but I am comforted. Because when it comes to God, I know deep down that I don't need to know and that I'm not supposed to know everything that the holiness of the holy has to be beyond me, beyond us, so that it can come to us as a gift and not as a product or a purchase. So there's the truth, that reverence for God, recognition of the holiness of God is the beginning of wisdom. And this is true because we are humans and God is God. We are frail and God is faithful. Because we are on a journey and God is already there. Because we are made for learning and growing in perspective and in wisdom. And God is drawing us ever closer for that purpose and with that promise. If and when we get to touch and see and in some small way understand the holy, then we are gifted. We are blessed. So the fear we need, the fear we know, is the appropriate posture for humans in relation to the divine.
for humans in the presence of holiness. It may be head bowed and knees bent. It is certainly the touching of the earth and the offering of the Spirit. For our reverence for God, our recognition of the holiness of God is the beginning of wisdom. Amen.